morning, friends. I want to say welcome to Vernonia Church and our online teaching time. My name is Sam. I'm the pastor here at Vernonia Church, and I'm so glad that you've joined us here today. Today, we're going to be finishing up our series where we're talking about trust Jesus. And we've been talking about how I want to learn to trust Jesus and no one else. And we've been talking throughout this series about the benefits, the, the assurances that come our way when we can declare. I trust Jesus and nothing else. And this morning, we're going to finish this series up with a teaching called I Am Welcomed. And it's going to be a great day. Hey, we've got a, a, an exciting thing I want to share with you today. Before we dive into anything else, I just want to share with you that, that God has been blessing Vernonia Church and that he has been working through you. And uh, I want to share with you, today is the day where I do the big reveal for what we've done as a church with our Christmas offering every year, we do a Christmas offering beginning in November, ending in January, because there's some people that want to give, but they can't do it until January. So we go to the very end of January. Then on the first Sunday in February, we have a big announcement about what we've done, what we've raised. And man, it's been awesome to watch and see what God is doing this year. Now this year, every year we do something different with the Christmas offering. The Christmas offering is a, an offering that we give above and beyond our normal giving here at Vernonia Church. So this is just for this uh, special occasion. And this year, our big goal was... Uh, it was it was called drop a digit and we wanted to drop the one in the one hundred and two thousand dollars we still owe on our big building the building that I'm recording in here today and so we wanted to uh, raise seven thousand dollars so that five of it could go towards uh, dropping that digit and dropping below one hundred and two thousand and uh, that uh, and then one thousand will go to Boise Bible College and another thousand will go to OCEF church planters both of which are involved in in the future of the church. So this drop of digits has been about thinking about the future of the church, putting Vernonia Church in a place where we can be debt-free and, and knocking out that debt and, and, and going lower with it, and then reaching out and blessing OCEF church planners who are planning the future churches and who are helping turn around some churches that are struggling to help them become strong churches in Oregon, and then uh, Boise Bible College, which is raising up the next generation of preachers and pastors. So so that was our Christmas gift. Our Christmas gift goal was to raise $7,000 so that five of it could go towards the building. And then we had a miracle goal, which uh, was $9,000, which would bring us to about $95,000 on our loan, uh, what we owe. And so that was our miracle goal. And uh, I did kind of jokingly announce that we would have a miracle, 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 miracle goal of uh, $102,000, which would pay the, pay the mortgage off completely. Completely. Well, now it's the time for the big reveal. I want to tell you what you did, Vernonia Church. This is what you raised. Those of you who gave to it online, those who have given in person, uh, this is what Vernonia Church has done for this year's uh, Christmas offering, and I'm blown away. Uh, and here, you ready? Uh, okay, maybe at home you're making a drum roll. You know, you're you're doing the drum roll and you're getting ready. I'm building up excitement. I'm building up anticipation. Here's what you did. 
Now, uh, here, here's where we are. I, I, I just, I'm excited to say it. We have raised $48,000 for our Christmas offering this year. I don't think we've ever done anything like that before for one special offering as a church. I'm blown away. $48,000. And here's what that $48,000 is going to do to help Vernonia Church. Again, a thousand of it's going to Boise Bible College and a thousand of it's going to uh, uh, OCEF. And then the rest is all going to go towards paying the principal on our mortgage and knocking that mortgage down. And, and what we what we have done, church, is, is we have saved 93 payments off the loan. So so that's 93 payments that we've knocked off the loan with that offering. And, and we have saved an additional $42,600 in interest. So we've raised uh, 48 and we've saved 42,600, which almost doubles the effectiveness of that money. And what that leaves us with is if we just make our payments with no extra, we plan on putting extra in it, then we will be done with the loan in three years. Church, that's awesome, and that's something to celebrate. If you're a guest here and you have no clue what we're talking about, uh, just just be happy that we as a church have had this this amazing thing that we've done, uh, and we've seen God move, and uh, and we see just an incredible thing. I'm so thankful to those of you who have given to the Christmas offering. I'm thankful for those of you who have prayed for the Christmas offering, and uh, I'm thankful for you and your love for the church and your love for Jesus. Uh, and your love for the future of the church. That's something to celebrate, you know. Um, and hey, I want to I invite you to celebrate with me. I want to pray right now, and uh, we're just going to thank God for what Vernonia Church and what those who gave to Vernonia Church in this Christmas offering were able to do. And I just want to I just want to praise God and thank him together for it. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, uh, we just thank you that you have blessed us that, that you have entrusted us with this gift so that we could knock this uh, mortgage down. God, I do pray that you will bless Vernonia Church, bless the ministry here, that you would work through us and that you would continue to put us in a strong place to stand to honor you and glorify you as a church body. I pray, Father, that you will... Uh, that you will continue to bless Vernonia Church, that you will continue to work through us and help us to uh, have these small victories and know that you're with us and know that you're moving in this place and working through us. So we're just thankful, God. We're thankful for those who have given. We're thankful for what you've done. And it's in Jesus' name we all prayed and said, Amen. Well, I want to just once again say thank you for being a part of this Christmas offering. And, uh, you know, I, don't, I do not know if we're going to be able to top that ever again, but every year we've done a Christmas offering and I've gone, wow, I don't know if we can top that. Uh, that, that that's just amazing, church. I'm just so proud of you. And thank you for being a part of that. Hey, that said, let's dive into our message today where we're going to talk about I am welcomed. I'm welcomed by God. I'm, I'm welcomed by my Father in heaven. Have you ever had a time where 
you realized just how welcomed you were. You realized that you are welcomed in a certain place with certain people. I mean, you're with them and you never feel like you don't belong. You're with them and you feel like you're welcome to be a part and welcome to be there. Now, if you've ever been in a place where you felt just the opposite of that, then you know how valuable it is to have somewhere where you know you're welcome no matter how badly you mess up. You're always welcomed there. For a lot of us, that's home. You know, I remember way back uh, when I was probably about my son Sam's age, uh, somewhere around 12-ish, you know, I, I had been getting in trouble all day long. I It was one of those deals where I was getting in trouble with my mom and and uh, I, was, I was pushing her to the edge. I was, you know, she was about to just snap and, and go nuts and and sometimes when I was younger and that happened and it was that kind of thing, she would give me this warning. You're in trouble now. When your dad gets home, he's going to take care of this. And, and whenever I heard that, it was like, uh-oh, things are going to get bad. You know, I, I, I'm probably going to get myself into a situation where I'm going to get a good whooping. And I probably deserved it. I don't remember what I was doing that day or why it was so bad. But I do remember realizing it was going to, I was getting it. When, when dad was getting home, I was in trouble. And so I started preparing. Have you, have you ever seen uh, cartoons and the hobos in cartoons and they had their stick you know and they had all their belongings in like a sack at the end of the stick and I, I decided I was going to get ready that way and so I went and found myself a stick and I got a like an old sheet and I started putting some clothes in it and I got my stuff together and and I was ready because when dad got home and and he started getting uh, you know giving me my what for well I was just going to tell him you know what I'm out of here you know I was going to go I was going to leave I was going to run away from home and and live on my own where I didn't have to do anything my mom or my dad wanted well dad got home and uh, we got into it you know and I got all, I got I got in trouble and and uh, I started getting upset and I said well you know what I'm leaving and I'm out of here so I went upstairs I I got my stick I got my little my little hobo uh, uh, you know stick with the with the sheet and the clothes and and I started walking towards the door and I said, I'm going to go live on my own. I'm going to, I'm going to run away. Well, my dad, he started asking me a few questions. He said things like, well, what are you going to do uh, for dinner? You know, how, how are you going to eat? And I said, I don't know. And, you know, probably at the time I was, you know, g g doing that little crying and answering at the same time type thing. You know, when kids get upset like that. And, and uh, he said, well, what are you, what are you going to, how are you going to keep warm? And I said, oh, I, I don't know. And, and he asked me, well, where are you going to go? I, I don't know. And, and what are you going to do for money to take care of yourself and to support yourself and he just was asking me all kinds of questions that I did not have answers to and and I sort of finished it up by saying well I don't know but here's what I do know I'm leaving and I'm never coming back you know and and he said well okay he said as I was out uh, walking out the door he said but when you're tired when you're lonely when you're cold when you're ready to come home and do what your mom and I are telling you to do uh, you're always welcome to come back. 
Well, I ain't coming back, I said, and I stormed out the door. Now, what I didn't tell you is it was the middle of winter, and it was cold. I mean cold. It it, it was New York. It was winter. It was like 10 degrees below zero and wind chill, and the, there was probably about like three feet of snow on the ground, and there was snow flurries just dropping snow everywhere. Well, I walked out the door, and I, I made my way through the snow out to the um to the sidewalk and and once I got to the sidewalk or at least where you thought the sidewalk was I I began to walk away from the house and I think I made it about 10 steps and by that 10th step I had already started to think about well, I sure am hungry and and by the 10th step I started to think about how I was cold and I didn't bring my pillow or a blanket or my bed with me and and by my 10th step I was starting to think about I really didn't know where I was gonna go and and what was I gonna do in all this snow and and by the 10th step I think all that cold had frozen the pride and the venom and the uh, just the the disrespect everything that was in me in that moment I think it was done by the 10th step and so I turned around and walked back into the house and mom and dad looked at me as I walked in and walked upstairs and and uh, put my clothes back and, and, and took my little hobo stick back apart and, and I was welcomed home. Well, that was my prodigal son experience here, you know, in my family. That, that was the, the one time that I actually threatened for, to run away. And uh, it was a little different than Jesus' prodigal son story. You know, instead of, instead of traveling the world and, and living excitedly and, and wasting all of my, my money on wild living and women and, and, and everything, uh, I made it 10 steps. And instead of uh, a whole, like, my son, th this son of mine was dead. He was lost, but now he's found. Well, no, it wasn't any of that. It was 10 steps. But one thing that's common is I was welcomed back home. Now, Jesus would tell a story to describe our spiritual experience with God. And, and his story was the story of a prodigal son. This son asked his father for his inheritance early, disrespecting his father, and then took that inheritance and went and wasted it in foreign lands on wild living. And, and in doing that, he was insulting his father. He was rejecting his family. He was rejecting his father's uh, belief in God and worship of God and his Jewish customs and religions. But he went out and he just, he threw it all to the wall and, and he, he partied it out until he had nothing left when he was finally at a place where he couldn't find any food, anything to eat. He got a job feeding pigs and found himself so hungry that he wanted to eat the food that the pigs were being fed, which was also a sort of an insult on top of insult for a young Jewish man. Well, he decided that it would be better for him to go back home to grovel to his father, and if he could get a job as one of his father's servants, he would live better than this uh, pig farmer 
former servant. And so he starts his way back home. He rehearses this, this apology to his father over and over. Father, forgive me for I've sinned against you and against God. And, and he sort of has this, uh, this thing rehearsed and ready. And he's walking back. Doesn't even know if his dad's going to accept him, receive him, or, or, or send him on his way. Well, the story, I don't think, is highlights so much the young man who was the prodigal son or even the other brother that stayed behind. But I think there's a picture here in this story that Jesus told of God the Father. And there are some details, some things that Jesus says about what the Father does that gives us a picture of God and the way that he receives us. The first one is this, that this Father, well, Jesus paints a picture like he goes out to the porch regularly every day maybe and he looks out watching waiting looking for his son to return it's a picture of a father who desires to welcome his lost son back well he goes out and he sees the son from far off and instead of waiting for that son to make his way to the porch and come back to him and gravel to him it says that the father ran so that's the second picture is a picture of a God of, as a father who waits to welcome. And then uh, God is pictured as this father who runs to welcome this son home. It says he runs out to him, throws his arms around him. And, and we have this picture of how God as a father runs to welcome us. He's not only waiting, but running. He's excited to welcome you and welcome me back into the family and back home and then he slaps the family ring on him he throws the family robe on him and all of that's a picture of the father re reinstituting him putting him back in place as one of his own sons oh, this whole story was built around the idea that this is what the kingdom of God is like. That God welcomes us when we turn back and come back to him. God welcomes us and he welcomes us with open arms and he wants to welcome us and bring us back to be his. Now all of us have been like that prodigal son. Maybe, maybe not all of us when we were 12 walked out the house and made 10 steps, but all of us have walked away from God our Father, and we have walked very far. All of us have piled sin upon sin in our life that has driven a wedge between us and God. It's almost like we're in a foreign land. You know, we are far away from God, and all he's waiting for, all he wants is for us to turn around and come back to him, and, and he will receive us, and he will welcome us. Now, we're in this series where we've been talking about, I trust Jesus and nothing else. And we've been talking about the assurances, the, the benefits of trusting in Jesus and why we do that. We began this series with a message that was online only. If you've missed any of these messages, I really do recommend you go back, find them, and catch up to where we're at now. But we began this series with a message about how I can declare and be sure that I am adopted 
adopted into the family of God. As, a, as someone who trusts in Jesus, he adopts me into his family. He makes me one of his own children. And in a, in a different way than him just being the creator of all mankind. Yes, in that way, God is the father, but, but in a different way, in a more intimate way, in a more spiritual way, I become a true child of God in the same way Jesus was a child of God. Uh, only he, he was natural and, and we're adopted. And, and so he adopts us into his family. And, and I can declare I am adopted. I'm a child of God. Well, we also looked at the next week that I am saved. And we can get to a place where we can know for sure that, that because of our trust in Jesus, I am saved. But we don't declare I am saved based on our merits, our credit, uh, credentials, and our abilities. No, we declare I am saved because we're trusting in Jesus' merits, his credentials, and, and, and all of his qualities. We're declaring I am saved because we trust that Jesus told the truth when he says that if we believe in him, he will forgive us of our sins and we will know salvation. And so we declare I am saved and we can have assurance of this salvation by trusting in Jesus. Well, we also talked about how not only does he adopt us into his family and save us, but he also puts his seal on us. A seal that seals us up and closes us in. A seal that, that declares to all the world that there's ownership and authenticity. That he puts his seal on us. And the seal that he puts on us is the Holy Spirit who comes to live within us, who marks us as his. And, and so we can declare with assurance, I'm adopted. I'm, I am saved, I am sealed, and we can also declare, last week we talked about how we can declare, I am loved. There's a special love that God gives to us when we say yes to him, when we make a first-time decision to believe in him, when we trust in Jesus and, and Jesus alone. There's a love we experience and we enter into. And Jesus has loved us so much by dying on the cross to give us salvation and forgiveness. He has gone to the farthest reaches. He has done the hardest possible thing for him to do as, as God by dying on the cross for our sins that when we realized he's loved us that much, we also realize anything else he might need to do to love us will be simple and easy. He's done something so great that there's nothing that could really be greater than what he's already done. And so as, a, as someone who trusts in Jesus, I never have to wonder, has he stopped loving me? Will he stop loving me? Is there anything that could get in the way? of his love for me. And last week we talked about how no, nothing gets in the way of that love. And so today we're going to talk about, I am welcomed. Uh, he welcomes me to be in his presence, to be with him. He welcomes me to approach him. He welcomes me in his eternal home. He brings this incredible arms open wide welcome to all of us when we trust in Jesus. You know, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 19, John is talking about some things that will help us know the truth of, of God. And he says this, he said, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest 
in his presence. And I've been sort of so focusing in this series on that last phrase, that he sets our hearts at rest in his presence. Do you get the welcoming language in that? That if we can know the truth and have the assurance that God wants us to have, if, if we can know that God truly is our Savior and he truly does love us and and he truly will be there for us and, and welcome us into eternity, then that will go a long ways to setting our hearts at rest in his presence. You know, when your heart is at rest in someone's presence, you're not worried. Are they going to welcome me? Am I okay here? Is, it, is, the, is the door open for me? No, you can set your heart at rest. In his presence is a picture of him wrapping his arms around you and saying, hey, we're together. You know, you're walking down, uh, you're walking down the road together on a walk hand in hand or his arms around you on your shoulder. And, and you can set your heart at rest in his presence as he welcomes you and me. And he welcomes you regardless of what's happened in your life. If you truly trust in him, he will welcome you. If you continue to trust in him, he will welcome you. And you might think, well, I don't know because I've been a sinner. I don't know because I've, I've broken God's word, you know, in this area and that area in my life. And, and even though maybe I've, I've made a first time decision, I've, I've messed up. I've, I've said some things I shouldn't say. I've thought some things I shouldn't have thought. And maybe I did some things that I shouldn't have done. And and you probably did. But here's the thing. He still welcomes you. He welcomes you. He loves you. He's, he's declared his love for you. And if you continue to trust in him, because the whole point of a relationship with him is continuing to trust in him to forgive you for your sins in order to bring that welcome to you. You know, when Jesus was uh, here on earth in body and he was uh, working out his earthly ministry during the the years that he was before he died on the cross it says this that when people looked at him and when they criticized him and when they thought about what he was doing and who he was around in Luke chapter 15 verse 2 one of the complaints they had about him and maybe others felt like this wasn't a complaint but it was something everybody said about him this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. I like that verse because it gives us a picture of Jesus welcoming us all to the table to sit down and eat with him. Now, one of the things Jesus doesn't want us to be confused about is, is he's not saying, hey, come eat with me and stay a sinner. Hey, come eat with me and continue to wreck your life with the thing I, I died to destroy its effects in your life for. No, no, he, he loves us and he welcomes us just the way we are, but he loves us way too much to let us stay that way, which is why he wants to remove our sin by, by his death on the cross, which is why he wants to encourage us to live a transformed life. But he still welcomes us at the table as we go through this process of being transformed and changed and growth and, and sometimes going backwards and sometimes going forwards. But he welcomes us at the table. He eats with uh, welcome sinners and eats with them. 
And I'm so grateful for that because that means that he will one day welcome me and eat with me. And and I picture that table in heaven where all those who love him are sort of all gathered together at this giant feast of the Lamb. That's sort of the visual that it gives in Scripture. And one time the Apostle Paul was trying to teach the teach the church to welcome one another, and he used the example of the way Jesus welcomes us to teach it. He said this in Romans 15, 7, he says, accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. Now, uh, we're not going to talk about the whole accept one another, which we maybe we should, because the whole idea is we accept one another the way Christ accept us, and, and man, if we would do that, what a different world, what a different community, what a different church it would be. But he says, welcome one another just as Christ welcomed you and accepted you. And and his basis for teaching the idea of our acceptance of each other is, is the way that Christ accepted us. Well, maybe you have a hard time accepting yourself. And so you have a hard time accepting others. Maybe you have a hard time. You, you look at, well, I, I made a decision for Christ. And then, well, then I, I sort of walked away from that decision. Or I, I made a decision for Christ at one time. And, and I was living a, in a good way at one time. But now I look and I've sort of changed my ways. And, and I don't even... I don't even accept or approve of the way I'm being. And, and especially when we get that way, it gets really hard to accept and approve of others because we're so busy judging ourselves. It becomes easier to judge others around us. I know it's easy to get stuck in a trap like that. But what Paul is saying is, listen, Christ accepted you. He accepted you. He welcomes you. You might not even welcome you. You might not welcome anybody else in the room. But Christ accepts you if you trust in him. He will accept you. He will welcome you in. And not only welcomes you and accepts you today, but just like we've talked about before, there's a now and not yet side to our trust in Jesus. With this, there is too. He welcomes us today. And we look forward to the day that he truly welcomes us fully in his presence on that day. Well, that's the day that Jesus was talking about in John chapter 14, verse 3. Jesus said this, When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be where I am. Think about how welcoming that is. He's saying to you, there's a day coming where I'm going to come and get you so that you can always be with me and I can always be with you. And not just uh, in an unseen way or in the way that it is in this world as you are with me and I am with you in faith. But that day, that day, it's going to be sight. That day, it's going to be experience everything. And there's a now and not yet side to this welcome, but we want to look forward to it and we want to claim it and we want to be sure that we're welcome. So often, I think a lot of, I think a lot of Christians will, they trust in Jesus, but then they have this 
this struggle. I think with all of these things, we have this struggle and, and partly because we think, well, if I was God, I wouldn't welcome me. Or if I was God, I wouldn't accept that kind of behavior. If I was God, I wouldn't welcome them. If I was God, I wouldn't forgive that or this. If I was God, I wouldn't really love them anymore. If I was God, and, and we sort of say the if I was God thing. And, and, and I am so glad that you are not God. And I am so glad that I'm not God. And here's the thing. Regardless of if I was God, the truth of scripture is here is what God has said and what God has done. And what God has said is if you truly trust in him, he will welcome you. You don't have to worry or wonder, will God accept me? I know I trust in Jesus, but I'm just not sure. Will God still love me? Will God still care? Will God receive me? Is God really going to be the dad who, who waits at the porch and welcomes me back and throws his arms around me? Is that, is that possible for me? I mean, even though I've, I've done what I did this last week or this last year or the last several years, even though that's been who, I'm, who I've been, will, will God really welcome me? And the answer is, if you trust him, he will. If you're trusting in him, you can claim assurance that he will truly welcome you. Well, I want to talk to you about some of the things that he welcomes us to. Uh, one of the things that he welcomes us to is he welcomes us to listen and pray. He welcomes us to approach him and to speak to him and to talk to him and to know him. We don't often think about how big of a deal that truly, really is. I mean, a lot of us, we don't have, well, I'd say most of us, some of you might, but most of us don't have a lot of people who are listening to us and what we say. Oh, we might put it out there on Facebook and have a hundred or a thousand or 10,000 friends, you know, but really who's listening to what we have to say? Uh, you might have people in your life, uh, maybe the, uh, maybe there's you know, a group of friends that are listening to you and will hear what you have to say. And maybe you have some family who will listen to you and, and hear what you have to say. And maybe you have some co-workers who might listen to you and, and hear what you have to say. You might have a boss who occasionally will listen to you and hear what you have to say, or maybe they do often. Uh, but maybe the chain of uh, conversation sort of ends at your boss and your boss's boss probably never hears you or, 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 or uh, the boss above that boss or however it goes, you know, uh, there are, there are very few people who we actually can go to. And a lot of us would think, well, who am I and what can I say to change anything? Who am I and what can I say to make a difference? And most of us probably will never have an experience where we get to stand before someone like a, a president or a king uh, and, well, just tell them what we think. Tell them maybe some of the policies we think they should have or, or some of the changes that they should make and, and some of the things that they should do or, or could do or, or might even ask them to do. I mean, I imagine what that would be like, you know, to uh, regardless of 
who's president at the time to be able to walk into the White House and and to march on into the Oval Office and to stand there and and just to have a conversation with a president saying, you know, President, I, I, I think, you know, it'd be good if we could do this or or maybe you could just spend five minutes thinking about that or maybe you could do this. What would you say to a president if you had the chance to talk to them? And, and you know, regardless of your position, Hopefully you wouldn't just waste it on insults or, or things like that, but you would use it to the benefit of, of other people or even to your benefit. Well, what would you request from a president? What would you ask for some, from, from someone with, with all kinds of influence and power? Well, you, you often forget that when we pray, we are entering not a White House not not the Oval Office. We are entering the throne room of the sovereign God of the universe. And we're doing it unafraid. We're doing it with an open door. We're doing it and, and we're getting the very ear of God who does have more power and more influence and more effect on this world than any president ever had. Uh, than all the presidents put together ever had, than all the kings and presidents and leaders and powers and of this world have ever had. And you and me, well, we're invited to come before God in heaven and he will listen. And he even offers to us that there will be times where we're going to ask him to do things that might make changes in this world and he'll say yes. And there are times where we might ask him and he'll say no. And there are times when we'll ask him and he'll say, you know, not yet. But he promises to hear and to answer our prayers. Wow. The throne room of God. Sometimes I think we get it wrong because sometimes what we do is, is we look at a situation and maybe we get all worked up and we want to make a change in that situation. We want to find someone able to help the situation and we want to do what we can hands on to change the situation. We want to step up, which is good. I mean, we want to be motivated to do things. And then when it's all over or at the end of it, we might remember to pray about it. Or even worse, sometimes we get to a place where we can't do anything about it ourselves. And we say, well, all I can do is pray. As if praying was sort of meaningless and ineffective and uninteresting. But we forget that probably the first thing we should do is pray. And I'm guilty of it too. Don't hear me saying I'm not. Because sometimes the very first thing we should remember is that we are welcomed to enter in to the throne room of heaven and look up to our Father God and say, Father, times are tough right now. I need your help. Father, um, I don't know what to do in this situation and I need your wisdom. Father, I'd like to see my, my friend, my family member come to know your grace and I want to see you move and, and change things. Father, and, and you fill in the blank. 
we're invited to pray all kinds of things in Scripture. We're actually commanded and told to pray things. And, and, but let me just paint for you the picture of, that Paul paints. He, he paints for us a picture of when we pray entering into the throne room of God. And he says that we do it with a certain attitude. We do it with a certain, well, let's hear it from him. In Hebrews 4.16, he says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. In other words, when you approach God, you can do it boldly with boldness. If you're trusting in Jesus, because he gives you the the okay to do it. He gives you the welcome to do it. It's a picture of, you know, if, if, if you were to, to just, uh, you know what, I'm going to storm into the White House and open the door and just start talking to the president. Well, if you did that, you might have, uh, you, you might have the secret service, you know, remove you from the president, uh, the pre <laughs> I can't think of the word, premises. Uh, but if the president's there in the Oval Office and, and one of his kids comes running and barging in, I don't think there's going to be any Secret Service stopping it. He's going to say, this is my son. It's okay for him to be here. And, and he can talk to me about whatever he wants to talk to me. And I think that's the difference here. That we can boldly approach the throne of grace because we're sons of the king, because we're loved, because we're forgiven and saved, because we're uh, brought in and, and we have this assurance that we can approach God and we can speak to him and we can hear from him and we can pray to him. In First John 14, Jesus would teach us about prayer and he would say this, believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done, and even greater works, because I'm going to go be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father." Now there, he, he isn't necessarily saying you can ask for a, you know, a Lamborghini or a Porsche or whatever, and, and I'm just going to make one pop up and appear. He's not our genie from, you know, and giving us our three wishes. No, this is the idea that, that we're going to do the ministry of God. And when we're doing that ministry and looking to be effective in that ministry, we can pray and God's going to answer those prayers. And so he says again, yes, ask anything in my my name and I will do it. And again, he does clarify in my name. And so it'd be something for my purposes. It'd be something in my name. It'd be something that represents me. It will be in my name. And if you're going to do something in my name and you're praying about it, well, I'm going to be there with you and on your side and I'm going to be here and, and, uh, and you're going to enter this throne of grace boldly and you'll be able to speak with the Father. Now, some of the subjects that he tells us we can pray about, I just want to give you some real quick, because often people say, well, I don't know what to pray about or how to pray. And, and you can look at Jesus' model prayer, you know, that our Father in heaven, hallowed be our name. You know, we can look at that in, in, in the book of 
Matthew, and we could see as, as he teaches us some things to pray for, and I've included some of the subjects here, but all throughout Scripture, we're told to pray for things. So here's some of them. Pray for your needs. Pray for the things that you need in life, uh, your needs. And you know what? Throw in some wants. God can say yes, no, and maybe later. And so that's okay. Pray for him for the things that you need. Pray for him about the things that are in your heart. Uh, you can pray and, and, and pray prayers of praise and praise God and, and say thank you to God. And so prayer, uh, it becomes sort of a God, you are so good. And God, thank you for blessing us. Thank you for the Christmas offering. Thank you for Vernonia Church. Thank you for our online worship. Thank you for providing for us. Thank you for being there for us. Thank you for being good to us. Well, you can pray for God to guide you and you can pray for the Holy Spirit's guidance and, and you can pray for wisdom in life. That's been one of my favorite prayers because I've needed it so much. Just pray to God for wisdom. I've especially used a little prayer in my heart, sort of quietly in my mind, when I'm in sort of a conflict moment. Just say, God, will you give me wisdom to know what to say here or to know how to do, deal with this or, or get through this? Uh, will you give me wisdom? So we can pray for wisdom. We can pray for God to help us in times of trouble and, and pray for God to uh, bless us and bring us times of triumph. And we can also pray Pray that God will be praised when uh, tough times come and God will be praised when good times come. We can pray that God will teach us more about himself and, and reveal himself to us. I love it where, uh, where Moses says, show me your glory. Well, we can pray that God will share his will for our life with us and reveal to us his will. We can pray that we would understand scripture and understand what he's saying to us. We can pray that God will move in ministry and God will grow his church and that God will be present among his people. We can pray that God will bless and guide our leaders, whether they're our church leaders or political leaders. We can pray that God will bless and guide our church. We can pray that God will raise up more pastors and preachers and evangelists and missionaries and and that God will begin to raise up workers for the harvest field to tell more people about Christ. We can pray that God will help the church to reach the lost. I think sometimes that's a prayer we forget to pray, but we need to pray. We can pray that God will help us stand in the face of temptation and sin and pray that God will help us forgive people in our life and that God will forgive us. We can pray that God God will help us grow spiritually. And man, we could go on and on and on when we talk about subjects or things that we should or could be praying about. And what I want to encourage you is not necessarily to have to pray through a list like this, but pray to God about something. Just start a conversation. God, uh, I want to just talk to you now and I'll just share with you what's on my heart, what's on my mind. What are the thoughts that I've had today and just share them with him because you have permission to enter the throne of grace, to enter the throne of your father and have a conversation. And so we're welcome to listen and to pray, but we're also welcomed beyond judgment day. Jesus promises us that he will welcome us into heaven after judgment day. Now to talk about a judgment day is sort of, it's a fearful thing. Uh, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God and judgment and, and the whole thought of a judgment day. It's a scary thing. And it's a scary thing to think about someday standing before a judge who will judge every 
action, every word, every thought, every deed, uh, every failure, every fault. I mean, it is a terrifying thing to think about just being laid completely bare before, uh, before God and and judgment. And we are told that every person is going to stand before God and be judged. And and here's the thing. If we're trusting in Jesus on that day, we will be judged, forgiven, and saved. And on that day, we will be welcomed to go from a place of judgment and being judged forgiven into a place where we can be with Jesus forever in heaven. I, I love the way First John will describe it. In First John, it says this, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God and that God lives in him and that he is God. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. And in this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world, we are like him. In other words, what John is teaching us is this. That if we're living in Christ now, and if we're trusting in Jesus now, yes, the thought of a judgment day is terrifying and scary, but guess what? Just like you can approach the throne of grace with boldness, so too we will be able to face judgment with confidence, not overconfident. Some people, they're overconfident and they're trusting in themselves. They think that, like Satan maybe, that they're going to stand up to God, that they're going to tell God what for, that they're going to give God a piece of their mind, you know, that that they're going to they're going to put him in his place. There are a lot of people that, that have that thought, and that's terrifying to me because they're sort of overestimating who they are, who they are, and they're completely underestimating who God is as judge, but that we can approach the throne of grace not with overconfidence, but with confidence. We could say, it's okay, I'm going to be okay. Not because of what I've done, not because of who I am, not because I've been good enough, but because I'm trusting in the cross of Jesus to forgive my sins. And because I believe Jesus is God, and because I believe that Jesus going to the cross was God showing his love, and because I believe that Jesus tells the truth of God and is the truth of God, and that Jesus said, if I believe in him, then I will be forgiven and my, my, my sins will be forgiven and I will be saved. And because of that, I can have confidence that on the day of judgment, I'll be okay. I'll be okay because I trust in Jesus today. In John 10, 27 to 29, Jesus said, my sheep, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. The, the judgment day isn't going to bring about hardship for them. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one can snatch them out of my father's hand. In John chapter 6 verse 37, Jesus says, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. Did you hear that? Jesus won't reject you. He welcomes you. On the day of judgment, he's not throwing a book at you. He's throwing his arms around you. If you trust in Jesus. And we've been careful throughout this series 
to talk about a difference and a distinction between those who, who trust in Jesus and those who don't. There definitely is a difference. And this series has been a series to encourage those of you who do trust in Jesus to build in you a sense of assurance that you can hold on to and be sure that you're welcomed with your Father. And those of you who are outside looking in, who haven't made a first-time decision to believe in Jesus, who, who are still wrestling with the idea of Jesus and his cross and forgiveness and grace, well, I want you to hear the possibilities that are available to you. There is a welcome for you, but it's different. The welcome for you is a welcome to trust, a welcome to make a first-time decision, a welcome to receive His grace. And once you do that, you get this welcome. Once you do that, you get this assurance. But if you don't, this welcome is not for you. It's only for those who choose to trust in Jesus. But when you do, you'll be welcome beyond Judgment Day. And on that day, you'll be welcomed to dress in the right way. <laughs> you'll be welcome to get dressed the right way. Well, what do, I, what do I mean by that? Well, for one, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm trying to make all my points sort of rhyme today. I'm kind of having fun with it. But, but you'll be welcomed to dress in the right way. And I don't know if you've ever been somewhere where you did not dress accordingly. You know, you ask someone, hey, how should I dress? Oh, just dress casual, be yourself. And, and you showed up casual in your version of casual in yourself. And you found out that other people's version of casual in yourself was way nicer than what you did and you felt out of place well if you went back to the ancient uh, Israel if you went back to the days of Jesus and you were invited to a wedding if you didn't prepare if you didn't dress right uh, it would be an insult to the people who invited you well Jesus one time told a story he told a parable about a king who was throwing a wedding banquet for his son he's throwing a wedding feast and and when the banquet was ready he invited his servants to go notify those who had been invited already but those who were invited already refused to come they weren't going to come they were insulting him in that way and and so he sent other servants to tell them hey come the feast is ready and and instead of coming they refused again and and, and he sent other servants to tell him listen a fat feast has been prepared the bulls and fatted calves have been killed and everything is ready well the guests that he invited ignored these servants went on their way one to his farm another to his business and others seized the messengers Jesus said and he insulted them and killed them well I think Jesus is sort of painting a picture of what Israel had done with the prophets and and what they would do with him and then he said the king was furious sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn the town. And he said to the servants, the wedding feast is ready and the guests I invited aren't worthy of honor. Now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought, uh, brought the message to everyone they could find good and bad alike and the banquet hall was filled with guests. But when the king came to meet the guests, Jesus said, there was someone who was there that wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding and that person was thrown out of the wedding and, and that person was punished for throwing uh, for showing up like that at the wedding and, and there were sort of a twofold there, there was sort of a twofold lesson I think in the parable Jesus was teaching and it was this that that God invites everyone 
to the wedding. And, and if you're going to come to the wedding, there are two things that need to happen right. The first one is this. You accept the invitation to come. And you come. That, that's the first one. You have to say yes to it. You have to make that first time decision. You have to believe. You, ha you have to move and trust in the, the Father and his servants and the message. And you need, to, you, you need to come. You need to come back. A, a sort of a similarity to the, to the story of the prodigal son. Yes, God the Father was waiting and welcoming. And yes, God the Father ran out to meet him. And yes, God the Father welcomed him back. But None of it happened until the son turned around and walked back, came back home, came back to the father. And the other part of the story is this, or the other lesson, that you need to be dressed appropriately. The only way to be dressed appropriately for this wedding feast is to clothe yourself with Christ. New Testament, we'll use that imagery all throughout it, the idea that we cover ourselves with Christ, that we're washed with the blood of Christ, our our filthy rags are made white as snow with the blood of Christ. That uh, that imagery of wearing something that's been that's been covered, wearing something that's been made and cleaned and protected and and created by Christ. Listen to what the Apostle Paul will tell us. He, he will tell us that when we've done the last of our first steps, that, that when we've responded to the gospel, uh, he will tell us that you have been clothed with Christ. What he will say is in Galatians 3, 27, he says, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have also clothed yourself with Christ. And so you're welcomed to prepare for that day. You're welcomed to dress appropriately for that day by clothing yourself with Christ. When we have faith in Jesus, when we receive his grace, when we, when we, when we go through those early first next steps of faith, it's like we're being clothed. We're putting on new clothes. We're clothing ourselves with Christ so that it will be appropriate for us on that day where we stand with him. We're welcome to listen and to pray. We're, we're welcomed beyond judgment day and, and we're welcomed to cl get clothed the right way. And the last one I want to cover is this, that we are welcomed to respond today. We're welcome to respond today. No matter where you are, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done or who you've been, you're welcomed to the wedding feast of the Lamb. You're welcome to respond, welcomed to come back to the arms of God today. You're welcome to be the prodigal son who finally turns around and says, I'm going to go back home and say, Father, forgive me for I've sinned against you and I've sinned against God. You're welcome to be the one who comes to the wedding banquet dressed and clothed by Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 2 it says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. And what I want to tell you is this, that you are welcomed to have all these assurances today. You don't have to wait. 
you're welcomed to have them. And maybe you're here and you've joined us in this series and, and we've talked about assurance of adoption and assurance of salvation and assurance of being sealed by the Holy Spirit and assurance of love and an assurance of a welcome from God. And, and you might ask, oh, you know, I want all this assurance in my life. How do I, how do I get it? You might ask it another way. You might say, well, what do I do? Well, you're asking the right question now, and you're on the right track. And you're also in good company, because that's a question people have asked God ever since Jesus died from the, on the cross and rose from the dead. And ever since the very first time the gospel was preached and people responded to it and the church was born. Now that's a question people began asking all the way back in Acts chapter 2. If you were to look at Acts chapter 2, you would see that is the, that, that is the moment that the church is born. The apostles are waiting for a promised Holy Spirit that God was going to send them. And Jesus had told them to wait to for the spirit before they did anything and and they're there and there's all kinds of people around and then the holy spirit comes down on them and it's an exciting moment there's all kinds of exciting things that happen in that chapter and, and the apostles begin preaching and teaching jesus to people and and everyone around them is hearing what they're saying and they're getting cut to the heart by it and in acts chapter 2 verse 37 we're told that they were cut to the heart by the message of the gospel and and a similar message to what we've been talking about here and 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 they said to to peter and the apostles brothers what shall we do and i love the answer that peter gives because it sort of covers everything uh, the answer he gives is if you is the same answer i would give someone today if someone came to me and said what do i do i, I want to believe in jesus i want to receive it what do i do well, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and this moment is going to say in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, he says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, here at Vernonia Church, that's the answer I give too. If you uh, have been cut to the heart, if you want to receive all the blessings that God has to give, here's what I would encourage you to do based on what Peter says there. Well, the first thing I would encourage you to do is make a conscious decision to believe and to trust in Jesus. I mean, that's what this is all about. If you truly trust in Jesus, then uh, then you can have this assurance. And and I would encourage you to to Decide, make a first-time decision today. Say, you know what? I'm going to trust in Jesus because I want this welcome. I want this love. I want this salvation. I want to be adopted and a child of God. Uh, if that's you, I would encourage you to decide today. Maybe let us know you're making a first-time decision, finally, to believe, to say you believe, to declare belief, to trust in Jesus but you know, it doesn't end there because someone who decides to truly trust in Jesus asks a question, the very same question those people asked in Acts 2, 37. And that question is, is now that I believe, what do I do? Well, we see they believed because they were cut to the heart. We see they believed because they were asking, what do we do with it? I mean, you don't ask that if you don't believe. Well, Peter answers them filled with the Spirit, and he gives them some things that go along with that are natural results of having faith. 
And the first thing he mentions is repent. You've been walking away from God. Now start turning towards God. You have some sins in your life that you need to uh, let go of. You have some sins in your life that you need to give to God, ask for forgiveness for, and start to try to change your life, to, to repent. The word repent is a, uh, it's an old word that basically means to turn around. I was walking this way, and now I'm going to walk that way. I was walking away from God. Now I'm going to walk towards God. And repentance is this continual thing that we'll do all our Christian life. Sometimes we're going to mess up and we're going to, we're going to do the wrong thing or we're not going to do the right thing. And we need to repent and it will continually need to repent. But we begin the process of repenting and turning to God. And that's one of the next steps. That's one of the, one of the first things we do when we truly trust in Jesus. We say, Jesus, I want to repent. I want to give you my sin and I want to ask you to forgive it. And I want to turn around and start living in a new way. And then what we do next, uh, Peter uh, will say this, repent and be baptized. Now, I want to use the word confess here uh, because he will encourage us to confess our sins. Uh, The word confess is in scripture and other places. We're told that if we believe that uh, Jesus is the Christ and we confess with our mouth, uh, then, then we'll be saved. You know, if we, if we confess with our mouth that God raised him from the dead. And here Peter tells them to confess in sort of a physical uh, way that, that will show everyone that they're, they're confessing their faith uh, through baptism. When they're baptized, it's sort of a, a public declaration, a confession of their faith. And so I would encourage you, if, if you've made a first-time decision, if you've decided you're going to repent, maybe it's a good time to start confessing your faith, whether it be by baptism or whether it be by telling someone, tell your pastor, uh, let us know that you're making a first-time decision. Tell your friends, tell, tell your family that you believe in Jesus and you're confessing Christ and your belief in Christ. Well, then I want to hit this next one because he does tell us that the next thing we'll do as a natural result of trusting in Jesus is be baptized. We get baptized. Now, baptism, we could do a a long study or a short one on what baptism is all about. Uh, Being baptized in scripture is is where we are physically laid down in water and brought back up out of the water. And it is supposed to be a physical picture of a spiritual thing. Physically, we're uh, being laid down in a watery grave and being uh, pulled up out of that water. Spiritually, it's a picture of how we die to Christ. We die to ourselves and we and we die with Christ and and then we're buried just like Jesus was buried. We're buried in that water and then someone lifts us up out of the water. It's a picture of a resurrection and, and basically when we believe in Jesus, that's what he does for us. We put to death an old life And we take a hold of a new life and we're raised to a new life to live a new life for God and with Christ. And so Peter tells them, uh, believe, repent, confess, get baptized. And, 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 And he tells them, this is how you respond to having trust in Jesus. 
And I want to encourage you. Maybe you trust in Jesus. Maybe you've made a first-time decision. Maybe you've followed it up with repentance and confession. And if you've never been baptized, I want to encourage you to consider getting baptized. Uh, if you want help with that, you can let us know. You send me a message online, and we can find a way to help you get baptized. Or I'd love to baptize you. Or if you're somewhere where I can't do it, maybe we can connect with a pastor who will help you with that next step in your life, but I want to encourage you, take that next step of faith and trust in Jesus, because that's what it's all about. And we're told in Scripture that that day, that day that Peter preached that, 3,000 and probably over 3,000 people were baptized. And they were baptized, declaring their trust in Jesus and their faith in Jesus. And so what we're getting at is this, that you are welcomed today. You don't have to wait for another day. And by the way, if you do want to get baptized, uh, we are having a special day next week, next Sunday. It's actually Super Bowl Sunday, but at in-person church, we're going to have a baptism Sunday. And so if you want to get baptized, you're welcome to come to in-person church on Sunday. And I'd love to baptize you here on that day. But you're welcome to say yes to Jesus today. And I really want to encourage you to do that. And whether you've done it before, you've gone through all this already, and you've just been struggling with assurance, or you're in a place where you need to go through this and take that assurance, I just want to encourage you to know the assurance of how God welcomes you, how he loves you. And I want you to know that you can have that today. You don't have to wait. You can know that today. You don't have to wait. I would love to help you begin that, begin that journey. And so I'd invite you to pray with me. No matter where you're at, we'll pray a prayer that will be appropriate for us all as we look to God and want to know his assurance. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we are so thankful for all you do for us, for your love and your grace, for your goodness to us. God, we're so thankful that you welcome us, that you open your arms for us and your home to us, and that you open your you open your heavens to us. You open the doors to the throne room of heaven. You open the gates so that we might enter in. You open the options for us to be with you beyond judgment. You open the possibility of forgiveness and salvation. God, we believe and we trust in Jesus. And we want to receive your grace and your forgiveness in our life. And we want to have confidence and assurance in you. God, I pray for your grace and forgiveness in my life and in all of our lives. I pray that you would bring the grace of Christ and cover me and clothe me in it, that I would know that I am dressed in Jesus so that I can be bold in heaven and so I can be confident in judgment and so that I can be with you in eternity. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Well, once again, I want to say thank you for joining me as we have uh, finished up this amazing series together. I have really enjoyed this series. I've enjoyed writing it. I've enjoyed thinking about it. I've enjoyed being encouraged by it. And I hope that it's been a blessing and encouragement to you. Uh, and I will selfishly say it's been a blessing and encouragement to me. And so uh, I hope it's just been a blessing to you. Well, I uh, want to encourage you, next week we're going to begin a brand new series where we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to actually study through a book together. We're going to go to the Old Testament book of, of uh, Esther, and uh, we're, going to, we're going to talk about what it's like to live in exile. Uh, we're going to talk about what it's like to live in a world where the, it's not really our home. And so she lived in a world that wasn't her home, where she was in exile, and we live in a world that's not our home too. And so we're going to talk about some of the similarities and differences, and we're going we're gonna to talk about some of the hopefulness and the hopes that we can have in it and how to get through struggles in it. And It's going to be a good series, so we're going to begin that next week, and I'm looking forward to it. I want to say uh, thank you to those of you who have been supporting Vernonia Church. And uh, definitely, once again, thank you to those of you who gave to the Christmas offering. What an amazing thing God did through that. Um, oh, by the way, uh, just an interesting little side note. I'm a part of a coaching group of pastors in Oregon. Uh, it's called the Oregon, uh, Oregon Pastor Coaching Network. And there are several churches that are a part of this coaching network. We have someone that's sort of coaching us. So more, it's like professional coaching for pastors. Well, in that coaching, there were eight churches that were doing a Christmas offering. And it was eight churches. Like, we have only done this Christmas offering since I've been in coaching. It was sort of an idea. I got through it. And uh, there was... There was other pastors who've been in it, and we started doing the Christmas offering together. It's always been interesting for us to look at, you know, the numbers that that uh, that we've been able to raise for the Christmas offering for the kingdom of God and for different projects and different ways that is being used. And you know, together in our just our eight small churches in Oregon, we're able to raise over $168,000 for just with a Christmas offering uh, between eight churches. How amazing is that? You know, God is good, and uh, he, he definitely blesses and answers prayer, and, and he's definitely working in his churches. And so what a cool thing. E each one of those Christmas offerings is going to something different. Some of the things go into their communities. Uh, some of the things are like us. We're helping knock down the... Uh, the debt on our building, but we've done other things in the past too, like helping out the firefighters and helping out the, um, helping out for raising money for a skate park in town. And I mean, we've done all kinds of different things with the Christmas offering every year. It's something new, man, God is working. God is good. Um, and thank you for being a part of, of what he's doing here in Vernonia and if you wanted to continue to support Brunonia Church, if you'd like to be a part of supporting the, the online worship time, the online teaching time, you're more than welcome to do that. One of the easiest ways you can do that is go to www.vernonia.church. That's V-E-R-N-O-N-I-A dot church. And there's a give tab there. Hit that give tab. And you can set up giving in any way, shape, or form. If you've never given before, 
maybe you could start out by giving a dollar a week, a dollar a message. You know, we put out one message a week, basically. And and uh, if you wanted to help support it, you could do it that way. Or, uh, I mean, you could give more substantially if you wanted. There are people who tithe and give 10% of their income. There are people who give way above and beyond that. Um, and, uh, I mean, there's people at all different levels when it comes to giving at Vernonia Church. But you can set up anything you want to do on, on that website. So if you'd like to do that, I'd like to welcome you to do that and I also would want to make sure I'm saying thank you especially to those of you who are giving to Vernonia Church your giving is making a difference and God is working and he's giving us these victories right he's giving us these accomplishments he's giving us these things just to let us know hey I'm here and I'm working and, and I'm moving in this church well let's pray that God will continue to work and move and, and continue to do great things here in Vernonia and through Vernonia Church. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you for Vernonia Church. I pray that you will bless this church. I pray that you will continue to guide this church. I pray that you'll give us wisdom in how to go about accomplishing the ministry and the purposes that you have for us. God, I do pray that you will guide us and direct us, that you will help us to do great things for you and continue to do great things for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said together, amen. Well, let's finish up by declaring it's been a great day on the count of three. One, two, three. It's been a great day. I hope you have a great day and I hope you have a great week.